Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland, and our guest today is Jared Willis. Uh, Jared is a writer at the Sporting News. He's been a guest a few times on the pod before, and uh, we talk about a lot of different things, mostly the Cubs, but also some of his other articles about Eugenio Suarez and the White Sox. Uh, A couple notes. Um, We recorded this on Friday afternoon before the rain-soaked madness that was the series against the Nationals. But most of what we said still holds pretty true. Um, We also mentioned, talked about the White Sox, and like literally three hours after we recorded this, Michael Kopech, one of the promising White White Sox pitching prospects, revealed he needed Tommy John surgery. So we might get the blame for that. Anyway, um... I think you'll enjoy this interview. Here is Jared. The Cubs this week just avoided the outcome they couldn't have, getting swept by the Brewers in um, Milwaukee. And uh, just yesterday, because we were recording this on a Friday, they uh, pulled out a tough victory against the Nationals. But how are you feeling about the Cubs right now? Well, I'm feeling I mean, as good as you can, given you know where where they're at as far as you know, injuries and some of those kinds of things. I mean, honestly, you've got to, you know, if you step away from it all and think about who they've lost from their roster for big chunks of this season. And in spite of that, where they stand, you know, they've got the best record in the national league by several games. Um, so with, with that in mind, I feel great. Um, I don't have any doubt that they're going to win the division. Um, where I begin to, to get more worried, though, is what the postseason looks like, because as things are lining up right now, the wild card is going to be the Cardinals or the Brewers. Um, and I don't know that I want the Cubs facing either of those teams in a five game division series. So for now, things are looking great. They're in the probably I, I would say the toughest stretch of their season where it ends up being like 23 games in 23 days, a long road trip that they're finishing up this weekend. Um, and even with all that, they're still winning a lot of games. Um, but yeah, once you get into October, uh, that's where it gets a little more scary. Yeah. And you know, I was, I was mentioning that in um, a couple of my recaps too. I believe their record is 12 and five in that 23 game stretch. So even if they lose these last three games uh, or these last, what is it? Last six games of this 23 game stretch, they will have at least a 12 and 11 record. So they've, they've survived this at least with a winning record. So that's very good to see. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think all of us sort of looking at this spot in the schedule in advance would have been, it would have been understandable to expect a lot worse. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So not that I think there's any chance of them losing the next six games straight. Um, even if they did. Yeah looking at that chunk of the season as a whole coming a game above 500 out of that. That's, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. And you know, a a problem recently that that's kind of been bubbling up the last few days is with this talk about Brandon Morrow, they say he's going to try to throw a bullpen session on Sunday, but they're worried about if he has any setbacks now, he probably won't be available for the rest of the year. 
and there is some worry about the bullpen, especially with, you know, recent struggles by Carl Edwards. And you do kind of get worried because last year the bullpen did become a serious problem at the end of the year. Yes. That's, that's one spot where uh, there's a lot of very valid concern. Um, because as somebody pointed out, you know, Brandon Morrow does not have in the postseason has, doesn't have any saves. And so for him to be closing games in the postseason, you know, with that in mind, maybe it's not as big of a deal, but I think the bigger problem is where it forces other relief pitchers to, you know, what spots it forces them into. You know, Pedro Strope has done really well as the closer, but I think, I think we all know that that's not the role that is the best fit for him. And as you mentioned, Carl Edwards, you know, is capable of, of throwing a shutdown inning, but also is very capable of having an inning just unravel pretty quickly. And it's almost like with Edwards, once things start to go badly, um, it's difficult for him to, to bring it in and, and kind of escape with no damage or minimal damage. I'm thinking of the, you know, the Milwaukee game just a, a couple of days ago where we got that one, one strike call that, you know, kind of questionable and that seemed to turn the tide of the whole inning. So um, the bullpen is a very valid concern because you, you're not going to be able to have guys playing to their strengths if Brendan Morrow's not there. Um, and so I'll be very anxious to hear how this bullpen goes on Sunday because having already gone down this track with you uh, Darvish where, you know, there was talk of, I'm feeling good. I think I'm going to be okay. But if there are any setbacks and then sure enough, there's a setback and now he's gone for the rest of the season. Um, if, if things don't go well on, on Sunday, then, you know, you, you have to think about the reality of no Brandon Morrow for the postseason. Um, Cause the other, the other factor here is now that the minor league season is over. It, even if Brandon Morrow says he feels like he's ready to come back he's going to have to come back right into live game action without the opportunity to, to go pitch an inning or two in the minors first. And, and especially in, you know, cause we, we all know that, that every game right now really matters. And so, you know, and they've got some tough games ahead. And so if you've got him out there, you know, without his best stuff in a mid late September game where there's a lot more on the line, it's, it's costly. Um, and that's, that's not really what you want, but in the long run, maybe if that's his path to be able to pitch in the postseason, then maybe it's okay. Yeah, well, best case scenario is the Cubs wrap this up quickly, and then yes. you've got like a week of games that don't matter, and then he can rehab in those. But Yes, that, ideally that's how it would work out. And may, I mean, maybe this, you know, not to skip ahead of the next three games, but that Monday through Wednesday – series against the Brewers um, next week. That, that's a prime opportunity to, to put yourself in the best position possible um, to do that so that they, they'll have some low stakes games at the very end of the season. Yeah. And of course the one thing I kind of like to do this time of year, especially when the team is ahead in the standings is do the math. You know, like if the Cubs go 11 and 11, their last 22 games, the Brewers have to go like 18 and five. Yeah. And when you do it like that, you really understand that they are in a very good position. 
Now, they're not locked in by any means, but just the math, if you look at it, is very favorable to the Cubs right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, a very important and a very healthy perspective to have because it's it's easy to look at like the game, number of games ahead um, and say, well, right now it's what is it, four and a half games, which you know, we know can fluctuate a lot in just a couple of days. It doesn't take much, especially with, you know, again, that series against the Brewers coming up. Um, that lead can shrink a lot in just a few days. But I think, like you just pointed out, the better way of looking at it is what? Are, how do the Brewers have to perform for the rest of the season versus how do the Cubs have to perform? Um, is it realistic to think that the Brewers are going to go 18-5? and five? Probably not. Um, I mean, that would be a pretty incredible stretch. Is it realistic that the, to think that the Cubs will play 500 baseball for the rest of the season? Maybe they haven't really shown us that they're going to do that. Um, and how likely is it that both of those things are going to happen at the same time? Not very likely at all. So that's why, like I said, I feel little to no doubt that the Cubs are going to win the division. So it's not really that that I'm concerned about so much as how they look. Um, come division series time. Yeah, and that you were talking about that before too. Are you more worried about the Cardinals or the Brewers in a potential? I don't like to like single out one team and be like, yeah. I'm more worried about this team than that team because then that usually comes back to haunt you. But would you yeah. feel more or less <laughs> confident with one of those? I, I, I hesitate to, to answer that because I remember distinctly in 2015 thinking to myself and proclaiming to friends that I want the Cubs to face the Mets and the NLCS. They've got the Mets. They can handle the, they can handle New York. And then of course, four games later, that was over. So, um, for some reason though, I can, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to break this down into any sort of like objective factual basis, but, um, Milwaukee scares me more. I, but I, I don't, I, it would, I would have to sit down and kind of look through why, like, is that a rational um, feeling or belief or is it just purely emotional, um, that sort of thing. But right now I wouldn't want the Cubs to have anything to do with the Brewers in the division series. Um, the Cardinals have been, you know, red hot in the second half, but they've, we've also seen them perform really poorly in other stretches this season. So between the two, I'd rather they face St. Louis. Yeah, and the thing you would have to say about it, looking objectively, is like the Brewers clearly have the better bullpen. I mean, that's obvious. And even the lineup-wise, I mean, with Yelich and Kane, that is a scary lineup. I mean, when they were playing them this week, that is not you. You're like this lineup is tough. Yeah, and there, there's there's just not many easy outs in that lineup, and there's a lot of power. So there's a lot of opportunity for innings to just blow up really fast. You know, when you've got, you know, so many different guys who are capable of putting one over the fence um, at any point. So yeah, there's, that, that's a series that it would be hard for me to imagine it not going to five games and then just some sort of wild, almost like a repeat of last year with the nationals, some wild finish to game five either way. So Yeah. No, thank you on Cubs versus Milwaukee. Although, of course, the other school thought is when you're in the playoffs, it's never easy because, right. I mean, last <laughs> yeah. year people were like, oh, the Nationals, 
they're choke artists, whatever. And it's like, that was very hard. I mean, they barely escaped that. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, we saw when the Cubs won the world series, which some people forget, but <laughs> when the Cubs won the world series, none of those series were easy. I mean, no. even, even the giants in the first round, that was, I mean, there was a point in that giant series where in that game oh, yeah. four, where you really thought Matt Moore shut him out through eight innings. And you're like, we had to go game five with Cueto. We're not getting out of this. Right. There, it would not have taken much for, for the Cubs to not even get out of the division series two years ago. Yeah, it's, it's true. No matter who it is, it's going to be tough. Um, so, you know, let's enjoy these uh, September games while we can, because it's only, it's only going to get worse from here. Yeah, that's what I said um, in my one preview. I can't remember if it was Cubs Den or Cubs Insider, but I said, let the fun slash torture begin. Yes, exactly. That's, yeah, it's, and on one hand, like how nice is it that we have these these meaningful games this late in the season? But on the other hand, um, yeah, even, I mean, even like last night where, you know, I, I'm way more tense about the results of a game than I would have been a few months ago. Um so, yeah, it's torture sometimes. Well, you know, I had you on much earlier in the year, and we were talking about the uh, Cubs' slow start, and we had this theory that we kind of came up with about, well, are they like the Golden State Warriors, kind of like we don't have to turn it on till we need to turn it on, or is this really a slump? And I think we got our answer. I think it was a yeah. Golden State Warriors situation. Yeah, and I think as as the last few years have established, what the way that Joe Madden manages this team is they are built to be really strong in the second half. Um, and I know that that you know people look at his lineups and it's every day, you know, the lineup comes out and Cubs Twitter has to process it and decide how they feel about it and vocalize that. But you know, I, I think sometimes people forget that he's not just managing for that single day. Um, there's, there's a lot more to it than just that. So they're, yeah, they're built to be a second half team and it works as they, once again, you know, here we are another second half where they're winning a ton of baseball games and putting division and putting distance, um, between themselves and the rest of the division as best as they can. Um, so maybe, maybe next year, uh, we will have learned that when they are playing about 500 baseball in April and May, maybe we will have learned to not sweat that so much, but we'll see when the time comes. Well, now you've been, you know, doing your sporting news now. So I just thought I'd ask you, what are some interesting articles you've been working on lately for the sporting news? Yeah, I've, uh, Mostly, most recently, I've been doing some stuff on some other teams. I just wrote something on the White Sox earlier this week because they're starting to show signs of, you know, what good White Sox might look like. Um, and then before that, I talked to uh, Eugenio Suarez um, about his MVP caliber season. He's probably not going to win the you know MVP award because the NL competition is so tough, but talk to him a little bit about what's made the difference from 2017 to 2018 as far as his offensive performance. And so, you know, got to do that. And then I did write a, a piece on the Cubs in the second half and, and why they've been so successful. But I think in the last month or so, my favorite thing was on David Bodie 
um, to actually pitch the idea before the Grand Slam um, and was there that day and interviewed him before that game. And then, of course, he hits the walk-off Grand Slam, and so which changed the whole trajectory of the story. But it just a lot of luck and good fortune on my part that I was just the timing worked out that I was there that day and I talked to him that day and then got to see that home run and then be a part of like the post game interviews and stuff. Um, so I think that's been one of my favorite things I've done all year, just because it was like this incredible moment and the timing worked out that I talked to him. And when I wrote it, um, it was just like, you know, one of those, one of those articles that just flowed right out of me. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, like some days, like it's a lot more effort to, to get written what you want to have written. And then other days it's like you blink your eye and there it is on the page. And so that was one of those, like where it just flowed out. And so it was just, uh, I had a lot of fun with that one from start to finish. Yeah. And yeah. Actually speaking of timing, um, it's ironic that David Bodie had another winning hit yeah, last night against, before we did this interview. So yeah. And again, against the nationals there, I mean, it, fans in Washington are going to hate that guy. <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny though, you talk about, um, Eugenio Suarez and just like the, just like when you make trades, like being a GM, he was traded for Alfredo Simon. Yeah. The Tigers traded Alfredo to get Alfredo Simon traded Eugenio Suarez. Like if you're a Tigers fan now, you're like, Oh my God, really? Uh, yeah. And that's, and that's always a, you know, a fun thing to look back on is these, what turn out to be lopsided trades. You know, we love to do it with the Orioles and um, the Arietta Strope deal, which just in hindsight, like how incredible. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's if you're a Detroit fan, you've you got to think a little bit like what could have been um, if they'd held on to him. Now, you were talking about the White Sox, and actually, I'm going to see their rookie league affiliate play in the playoffs today, but um, I, you really do have the feeling that they are going to be like the real deal in like a year or two, at least that's I, what you feel right now. Yes. That's the feeling right now. Like I, I really do think, um, I, re, I really believe in what's happening right there and you know, with them, um, a lot of it does still depend on like certain things have to go right. Like they, they probably are going to need Yohan Moncada to stop striking out so much. Um, they need, they're pitching from some of their younger guys to work out. Giolito has looked a lot better lately. Uh, Kopech looks like he's the real deal. Um, they need that to happen. Of course, everybody talks about Eloy. Um, and the belief is that he's going to come up and have an impact right away. But the reality is you don't know until he gets up and faces major league pitching, but everything he's done so far indicates he's going to be an impact player. Um, so, yeah, I think I don't think they're going to be like a playoff team next year, but, you know, their days of losing close to 100 games, I think, are over after this season. So, you know, and I know for a lot of Cubs fans that, you know, we, you get sort of a bad taste in your mouth about wanting to, to root for anything that's happening with the White Sox. But I'm, I'm very much about like I want Chicago to, to dominate the baseball world. And so I will happily um, invest in seeing the White Sox do well. So I, I think those days are coming. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, the White Sox and the Padres are two teams that, like, they have the makings in the minors to be good, but 
you never know. They could fizzle out. It's happened before. Yeah, and that's, I mean, and the, the same was true of the Cubs a few years ago. You know, unfortunately, it, it worked out the way that it did. But that's, you know, that's the risk you take when you're a rebuilding team and you invest in young players and prospects and you build through the draft is you're, then you get to a point where it's like, all right, we're at, we've arrived at where we just need this to work out. Um, and I think that's where the White Sox are right now. They've got their young guys. They've built up their farm system. You know, there's some good, you know, ancillary pieces, like some of those guys, like Yolmer Sanchez, um, you know, Matt Davidson, uh, Omar Narvaez has turned into like a, a really nice surprise for them this year. Um, so yeah, the pieces are all there. It's just like, let's, let's roll with it and, and see if this actually, actually happens. All right. Well, I'm going to close on something I've been closing on a lot lately. Uh, can we just talk about hobby bias? <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I mean, come <laughs> on. So, it, yeah, I mean, like the, it's the Jason Parks quote from many years ago that is probably the, one of the most prophetic things that I've ever seen, but he was asked to compare, I believe it was, it was Baez and Carlos Correa. Um, somebody feel free to tweet at me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Baez and Correa. And he said that Correa would be an all-star, but Baez would be a religion. Um, and I mean, talk about like just nailing it on the head because Baez, like it's almost like transcendent. Um, the way that he impacts a game because we're finally starting to see this year just what he's, he's fully capable of. And honestly, and you know, I, I will probably justifiably be called a Homer for this, but I don't know how you, you can make a case for him not to be the national league MVP. Um, look at what he's doing on offense. He's got an OPS of well over 900. He's batting around 300. He has 30 home runs, hundred RBI. Um, his strikeout rate has just dropped each season on defense. I mean, it's just, he plays three positions in his gold glove caliber at all three, you know, I, nobody else does that. Um, and then even like things like base running, like the way he impacts a game um, with that, the, this crazy swim move slide that he does, how many times has he slid into a base where he by all rights should have been out and wasn't somehow his tagging ability um, so many things like that, those baseball instincts, like he's probably one of the most intelligent players on the field, any field that he's on, no matter who else is on that field with him. Um, the one knock against him that people bring up is his really low walk rate. Um, but to, but to that, I say like, you're, you know, by this point, you're talking about the, the mole on Cindy Crawford's face. Like, you know, you, you've picked out one thing. Um, and one thing that doesn't really inhibit his game in any significant way. Um, so to me, all that to say, he's the National League MVP. If if it's voted any other way, I think it's a mistake. Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, it is up with Carpenter, you know, bubbling up a little bit. Like when he had that really hot stretch and people were at Carpenter. But, yeah, this bias affects everything in the game. Every part of the game he affects. It's like, you and know what, a valuable player. Yes. And I think, and there are really strong cases. I don't want to take away from any of these other guys because, you know, you're right. Matt Carpenter, where would the Cardinals be without Matt Carpenter? That's, that's, that matters. Like that's a big deal. Um, Nolan Arenado and the Rockies, 
Yelich with the Brewers, you know, how much of an impact has he had on that team? Freddie Freeman with the Braves. You know, we talked about Suarez earlier. Um, so there are a lot of really strong cases, but all things considered, I, I think that Baez is your best case in, in a field that is really, really tough. So if they, if they do pick someone else, it's not that they will have picked a bad player. Um, I just think that they may have gotten too focused on something as, as, as petty as, a, as, as, as Baez's walk rate. Yeah. And yeah, no, I just, I really think it, even if he's doesn't win the MVP, I mean, he is the most entertaining player. I mean, I can't think of the last time, maybe Sammy Sosa's last time that a Cubs player was must see TV, but yeah, yeah you really got to see this guy every game. And it's, and it's exactly the kind of thing that major league baseball needs right now because Javi Baez is, is appointment viewing. You're right. He's must see TV because you, you know, he's going to do something and you want to see it. Even if it's, you know, swinging so hard that his helmet flies off, like he's going to do something that you, you will have want to have seen. Um, so, and baseball lacks that to a large degree. Um, so he's in so many ways he is the most valuable, most exciting, most vibrant player in baseball today. Yeah. And just like a personal story for me, I, I go to a lot of the Rocky Rockies Cubs games in Denver and something happened this year that's never happened before. Javi Baez was playing great in the game. I think it was the Sunday game. And the crowd started chanting, Javi, Javi, me included. Like 25,000, 30,000 Cubs fans at a road stadium yeah. in a chant of Javi Baez's name. And it was just amazing. Yeah, and that, and I don't think that I've... I think a lot of the stadiums that they go to now that that tends to happen, you're right. Like even in visiting stadiums, you know, his name is it's being chanted granted by yeah, Cubs fans, but um, you know, even the opposing fans are paying attention to see what he's going to do. Yeah. And like, even like the, I think it was the Brewers announcers are like, the guy just makes stuff happen. And they're watching like even Tom Brenneman, the most anti-cub yeah. <laughs> was singing the praises of of Javi Baez, and you're like, wow. And that's that's high praise, you know. When that's happening, that's a big deal. <laughs> well, I think I've asked all the questions I'm going to ask. Um, hopefully, the Cubs will make the playoffs, and maybe I'll have you back on for playoff preview. But um, again, thanks for coming on. Yeah, happy to do it anytime. You can follow Jared at J Willis, J W Y L L Y S on Twitter. You can follow me at STH85. Uh, if you have a question or comment, you can email the podcast, and the email address is holycowpod at gmail. Holycowpod at gmail. Love to get your comments. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just look up Holy Cow with Cubs Podcast. And, you know, if you do subscribe, you can rate and review the podcast. That always helps me. Um, We will have another episode pretty soon. Until then, thank you.